motherhood is, is a great joy. I know also that sometimes we have these holiday seasons, Mother's Day, Father's Day, things like that, that, you know, for some people it's, 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 it can be a discouraging time. If you lost a mother recently, that can be discouraging. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you want to be a mother and it, and it has not yet happened yet. And so we're going to try to encourage you this morning. But, you know, many, many people wrongly suggest that the Bible is against women, that the Bible is, you know, kind of uh, demotes, demotes women to a lower place. And, and what I want to say is this, in the time the Bibles were written, they were patriarchal societies. The, the societies, the cultural norms uh, placed men above women, but in the Bible, we see, we see that the Bible and God honors women, honors motherhood. And of course, Jesus, Jesus just elevated womanhood. He, he had ladies that traveled with him and were involved in his ministry. And we see how he treated even the women that were down and out. It says this, Proverbs 31:10, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So many, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. And beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned. And I think we, what we want to say today is that mothers, uh, you deserve way more than one day. Can I get an amen? Way more than one day. And, uh, you know, of course, it's funny. Sometimes we have these holidays and, you know, uh, it's one day to honor mothers, but we're supposed to honor them all year. That's shocking for some of you. No, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to honor people every day, the people in our lives, mothers, fathers, workers, bosses, friends. We're supposed to honor them every time we see them. That's how we're, that's how we're, supposed, that's how we're supposed to live. And it says, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And, you know, it's an amazing thing, but, you know, family life here, we have, I don't know, we have 300-something volunteers in at least half of them or more are, are, are women, or females, teenagers, mothers. And this church couldn't even operate without all the ladies who help us out and, and do things. So we, we honor you. We honor you this morning. And I'm going to pray a prayer over you in just a minute. But I felt like the Lord was, was uh, encouraging me on something. Uh, you know, it, it, it's difficult when, when you, you bring something up. We, we don't want to not honor women out of fear that some people uh, may not feel good about Mother's Day. I want to tell you a story. I want to encourage you. Um, we had some friends when we were in Lafayette. We had some really good friends, and they, they, uh, hey, began to, they gave their lives to the Lord and began to come to church. And, and uh, you know, they were maybe, I don't know, 28, 30, and we, we knew them for a while. And their heart's desire was to have a big family. That was their heart's desire. And they were never able to have kids. And, you know, you're 31, you're 32, you're 30, you know, it's going up like this. And, and it was always just a source of just anxiety and grief and, 
embarrassment or, or, or whatever. It's a lack of a desire being fulfilled. And so she was really depressed and discouraged. Her name was Dawn. And uh, so one day, she was spending some time with the Lord, and the Lord just spoke to her, and, and she said this. He said, I've called you to be a mother, and I've called you to have a large family. Why don't you open your eyes and look around? Do you know how many kids don't have parents today? They're everywhere. And so her and her husband, Brian, they, I lost count, but they, they adopted like seven or eight kids. And just kids that were thrown out there in the system, and I mean, I mean, they're, they're, you know, their family looks like family life. There's white, there's black, there's in between, there's everything. And, and just to see her, she posts pictures all the time. And now all of them are raised, and they've raised eight kids, and they, they all come home for Christmas, and they're all helping out. They have a farm, and they're all helping. And, and, uh, but, but here's the thing. For, she, she never had to be unhappy. All she had to do was open her eyes to what God had around her. And there's so many ways that, that we can give back. And, uh, you know, adoption is special to me because I was adopted. My mother had three miscarriages, and she was not able to have kids. And uh, she adopted my sister. Then she got really lucky. She adopted me. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, but I mean, just think, I, I, I was born... I was born like a month before abortion was legalized. It just makes you wonder how many kids, how many kids are we doing away with that could be pastors and teachers and doctors and lawyers and missionaries. And so, so here, here what, I, what I just want to say is just I just want to encourage you. If you're not a mother yet and you want to have children, we're going to pray and believe that happens for you. But Open your eyes. There's kids all around that just need love, that need attention, that need a mother, that need a father. And I just want to want to leave you that. So could I have all of the all of the mothers stand this morning? And uh, and I want to do this. If if, if uh, you know if you're here this morning, and if you say that I, I want to become a mother, you you stand too in faith. In faith, just stand and let's believe. God, right now we honor all the women this morning that are standing, all of our mothers, God, all of the people who have given of their time, their talents, their energies, their hearts to nurture our families, to nurture our children, God. To, they're just incredible. In what they do, you cannot put a price tag on it. So God, this morning, we honor every mother here this morning. And I pray this morning as our mothers have given so much of themselves to us. I pray this morning that you give them their heart's desires, God. Lord, every one of us has a desire in our heart, and I pray that as they have tirelessly served, God, I pray you would honor their commitment to our families, and God, that you, that you would just uh, give them even their desires within their heart that they haven't expressed, Lord God. And I pray that every day that Husbands and sons and daughters would honor them and give them the respect and the honor that's due them. Now, Lord God, I pray for every woman this morning standing who would like to have a child and has not. Lord, right now, by faith, I release, I release conception in this room, God. Lord, I release. Lord, the Bible tells us that God is the one that gives us the ability uh, to conceive and and I pray that these wounds would be blessed, Lord God. And I pray 
God, that you would allow those, even who have been, it's been spoken over them that medically they couldn't have a child. God, I pray that you would do a miracle, God. And I pray, I pray for, for children to be born into good families in this church, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let's give them a hand. Now, we had Arts and Crafts Day at the Darnell House yesterday. And so when you leave here, when you leave here, all of our mothers, there's a, there's a gift for you out there on the table. And usually I'm just joking around, but I actually help to make these. Okay? So I'm not going to tell you what it is, but when you get your thing, and if you know, you pick it out, and you look at walking around, and others, other ones look nicer than yours, it's okay because the pastor did yours specifically. So it's not good, but pastor loves me, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we have a gift. It'll, they'll be out there on the table right when you leave. A funny story, a friend of mine one time was, uh, um, he, his wife was not able to have a baby, and they, they just prayed and prayed for many years, and the Lord gave them three kids. And he felt like it's one of the things God had called him to do, so he was speaking at a church, and he'd never been there before. He's like, you know, if you're here and you would like to have a baby and, and you haven't been able to, if by faith you'll come up here, I'm going to pray for you. And um, so he said, man, I, several ladies came up, and he said out of the corner of his eye, you know, he saw this lady coming up, but like she was the senior citizen of the church. Like she was like 78, 80 years old, and she was walking with a cane, came up there, and he was waiting on her. He's like, dear Lord, my faith is being stretched. But he said, if she has a faith to come up here, I'll have a faith to, to pray. And so he said, Lord, I just pray that you're going to bless her with a child, Lord. She said, not me, my granddaughter. <laughs> you think I want to raise a child? I'm old. You know, anyway. So. What do you do? You call people and they come up. You just pray what you ask for. Well, it's, it's a great day. And so here's what I'm going to do. What I'm going to talk about this morning is so important and can, I believe it has the ability to change your life. I believe every time we open the Bible, it has the ability to change our lives. Do you believe that? I believe you do because you're here. I'm not going to talk long this morning because I know many of you have things to do. But what I say, I think it's going to be very important. So we started a series last week called Success is Earned. And uh, the premise of this series is that we earn success by how we live our lives. Success doesn't, it's not at arriving at a certain place in your life. It's not getting a certain title or position or achievement or an award. Uh, success is earned throughout our life by living a principle-centered life. And really, we, the, the, you don't fully know until, that you're successful until you go to eternity and, and what people say about you when, when you leave. And that's the truth. And if you study the lives of, of men and women who were respected and, and lived truly successful lives, what you'll find is that they earned it by the way they lived, that they had character qualities in their life. They had values and morals in their life that were different from the everyday run of people in society. They went counterculture and lived in a way that God could, could honor them. So listen to me. I can't promise that all of you will be wealthy one day. I can't promise you a lot of things, but I promise you this. You can, you can live your life in a way that 
that you, you have a legacy, you're successful, that your children love you, that your family love you, that friends and family say, man, if I live like him, what an honor it would be. And so what we're doing is uh, we're going through the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, one of my favorite Bible characters. And if you're familiar, uh, the story of Joseph is told in Genesis 37 through 50. Now, 38, chapter 38 is thrown in there. It's a different story, but 37 and 39 through 50. And in my opinion, Joseph is one of the most successful people that ever lived in the Bible. I mean, one of the most successful people but besides Jesus, of course. But if you look at many of our great men and women of the Bible th that were successful, they had blips in their life. They had some accidents in their life that, that were just very destructive. From birth to death, Joseph never wavered. In, his, in, in the way that he lived. I mean, you can't find, you, you, we know that he wasn't perfect, we know that he sinned, but it, it, there's just no glaring contradictions. And, and so we've been looking at his life. If you don't know the story of Joseph, uh, it, it tells us this, that when uh, he was born into a large family, he, had, he was the 11th of 12 boys, and he had a daughter, and he was born in, in Jacob's old age, Israel's old age, and, and it says that Jacob just loved him and made him a special robe. And, and the Spirit of God began to just work with this young man. And he began to have dreams of leadership. And remember he told his brothers, man, we were out there in the field and my sheaves of grain stood up and yours bowed down to me. Try that at a family reunion, you know. But here's, here's the good news. I had this dream and, and all of y'all are just going to bow down to me. I mean, it just didn't go too well. His brothers hated him and remember they sold him into slavery. And so he's carried off. They sell him to Ishmaelites going to Egypt. He ends up in Egypt. He's bought by the palace guard, by the captain of the guard, by the, the Potiphar's in charge. He's in the palace every day. He's in charge of the royal guard. And it, the Bible tells us that Joseph won so much favor with him that Potiphar put him in charge of his whole estate. All of his fields, all of his servants and cattle, everything. And it says, well, Joseph in charge, he didn't worry about anything. Well, Ms. Potiphar accuses him of sexual assault. He's thrown into prison. And when he's in prison, the prison warden says, man, this guy is so special. He put him in charge of the whole prison. He's running the whole prison. So he, he ran a little plantation. Now he's running the prison. And two of the king's officials came in, and Joseph uh, interpreted their dreams. And, and he said, remember me when you get out. And I think several years later, of course, Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret, and the cupbearer said, today I remember my sins. There was a young Hebrew man in prison interpreting my dream, and it happened exactly like he said, and I believe he could do it for you. Joseph's brought out, he comes before Pharaoh, and uh, he ends up prime minister out of, out of all of Egypt, and he runs the biggest food production in the world. Egypt ends up feeding the whole world around them because there's a seven-year uh, drought. And so we see all this happening that Joseph, he's sold into slavery, he's accused of sexual assault, he's a foreigner, he's an outsider, and he, he, go, he goes, you know, from the dungeon to the palace. He goes from the lowest, being sold as a slave, to second in charge of all of Egypt. And we, we said that it's because of the way that he lived. And last week, I'm going to re repeat just one week. If you missed last week, the foundational piece of success is that success requires us to be faithful. Success requires us to be faithful. We went through all of Joseph's life, and everywhere he was, he was promoted because he was first found faithful. 
And here's the thing. If you can't be faithful, you will never be successful. That's just the bottom line. If you're not faithful at work, if you're not, if you're not faithful, you're never, you're, you don't expect to rise the corporate ladder. If you're not faithful in your marriage, if you're not faithful in your friendships, if you're not faithful in your relationship to God, we are called to have a love relationship with Jesus. We're, we're called to pursue him. We're called to follow after him. We're called to be obedient to him. Many Christians only come to God when they're in trouble. Faithfulness says that we serve God as much when things are going good as they are as we do when they're going bad. So the foundation of success, success is built on, on, on faithfulness. And I, I, I remember the story this week. It's an old story. Um, it's, a, it, it's a missionary, William Carey, and um, they've written books about him. He's called the father of modern missions. In the late 1700s, uh, God put a vision on the heart of William Carey, who was a Baptist minister, to leave his church and go, go to the lost regions of the world, to go to the lost cultures, the lost people, and share the gospel. So he went to the Bab his Baptist convention in the late 1700s, and he said, you know, God's called me to do this. And they told him this, if God wants to save the heathen of the world, he certainly doesn't need us. Well, that's encouraging. And so William Carey, he started his own mission organization. And he began, see, he began studying linguistics. He just didn't sit there. He became faithful. I'm going to do what I can. He started learning linguistics. And in 1793, his family and a doctor moved to India. They moved to India. And from 1793 to 1800, he served the, the people of India. He was faithful. And he did it for seven years without winning one convert to Christ. In the seventh year, he won and baptized his first convert to Christ. But here was his motto. His motto was this. It's incredible. I can plod. I can be faithful and persevere to fulfill my end goal, which is to win people for Jesus. I'm telling you, sometimes we can't persevere for two weeks. I'll prove it. How well did your last diet go? You know what I'm saying? So he did that for seven years before he got his first convert. William, I mean, his family's sick. He lost some of his family members. And he said, I'm here. God called me here. I'm here. He served in India for 41 years. He translated the Bible into the six uh, Indian dialects at the time. He translated the whole Bible into six different languages. He started orphanages. He started Bible colleges and a college that's still, in, in, that's still uh, going today. He ended up in 41 years, he won 700 people to the Lord. You say, well, that's not good for, for, for 41 years. Well, how many people have you led to the Lord? He went to a people that didn't even, didn't even know that there was a God. And, 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 I mean, incredible. But his, his faithfulness allowed him to be successful. But his, his biggest, his biggest... Uh, Achievement was, was to the worldwide missionary movement of the 19th century. Thank people like Hudson Taylor who went to China, uh, David Livingston who went to Africa. All these great missionaries got their start because of what William Carey can do. So here's the thing, success principle number one, are you faithful? Seriously, are you faithful? Do you show up on time? Do you do everything with a spirit of excellence? And uh, 
we have to become faithful before we can expect God to really bless our lives. We have to be faithful. Not faithful for a week, not faithful for six days, 13 days. We have to be faithful every single day. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. I went over that again because everything is built on faithfulness. If you can't be faithful, uh, how can God bless you? Faithfulness is what is our part of, in the success factor. The second principle, which is, I just love this principle. I think you're, it's going to really help you. Uh, success requires the favor of God upon your life. And here's the point. You can be faithful, but you also need God's favor upon your life to give you that little boost. How many of you going through the day and you're like, I need a little boost. I need a Holy Ghost boost. I need God to, to get put favor upon my life. So one of the principles that jumps out from the story of Joseph is that he was living under the umbrella of God's favor. I mean, God's favor was just all over this young man to the point where he got preferential treatment in, in, in situations that looked impossible. When you're sold as a slave, you should not become in charge of, of the plantation, the household that you go to. When you're put in jail for sexual assault, you should not be running the prison. And you certainly shouldn't go from the prison to second in charge of the country. See, it's more than just being faithful. He was faithful, but God's favor upon his life changed the way that people saw him. God's favor upon his life gave him the ability uh, to resurrect the dead things in his life. And the favor of God can turn our lives around uh, very, very quick. So I want to take you on a journey through the life of Joseph this morning to show you how important this favor principle is. Uh, Genesis 37, verse 3 through 4. This is, this is favor with his father. It said, Now Israel, Jacob, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe, it's a multicolored robe for him. And whenever his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they could not speak a kind word to him. I think a better way to read that is you know that Jacob loved all of his kids, but I, I think what they're saying is, they, they said love more, I think that Jacob just saw something in this young man. He, he, he just saw, I mean, he had the favor of God was upon him, and, and Jacob had favor with him because of how he was living. He was having trouble with some of the other kids. You know, how many know if you have two kids and one of them gives you a lot of trouble? Sorry if you're the one here this morning. And the other one doesn't. It's not that you love one more than the other. It's just that one is causing you less grief. It's Mother's Day. If you're the one causing grief, stop it. Stop it right now, okay? So we see favor with his father. Then favor, favor with Potiphar, Genesis 39, 2-5, it says this. The Lord was with Joseph. So we need the Lord with us. So that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and he became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Here's the thing. 
when you have the favor of God upon your life, and he's causing you to be successful, and he's causing you to prosper, if you manage someone else's assets, what happens to them? It, it wasn't a trick question, right? They prosper. God's prospering you. You're in charge of something. They prosper as well. And so Joseph just said, I mean, Potiphar saw Joseph said, man, this guy, everything he touches just works out. Everything he touches is blessed. I want him in charge of everything. And it later says that with Joseph in charge, he didn't have to worry about anything concerning stuff, which shows faithfulness. And the favor of God was upon him, which showed him the blessings. Then favor with the prison warden, Genesis 39, verse 20 through 23, it says this. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Are you seeing a key here? We need the Lord with us. We need his favor upon our lives. The Lord was with him. And, and, and he, he showed kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden so that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was redone, that all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So you see some things. Joseph was, fav- jo- Joseph was faithful. He had the favor of the Lord, and he, his responsibilities increased. You can't handle an increase in responsibility if you haven't learned how to be faithful. You have to be faithful. That's the, that's the pillar of this thing. Then favor with Pharaoh. Genesis 41, 37 through 40, it says, The plan seemed good to Pharaoh. Joseph had given him a, had interpreted his dream and given him a plan to help the world famine and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Pharaoh asked all this highest position people, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? <clears throat> then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all these things known to you, there is no one so wise and discerning as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all of my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne." Will I be greater than you? So we just see this favor. He comes into Pharaoh's midst, and, and Pharaoh, Pharaoh has a problem. And, and, and Joseph solves the problem, and that's how God gives him favor. You, I, want, I want to say something else here, too. Many times we get favor by doing something that someone else cannot do or doesn't want to do. Become a problem solver. When you're at work and someone says, oh, don't, don't be the one that says, oh, we, we can't do that. We don't know how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, just begin to do some research and pray. Say, God, give me wisdom to do this. Solve a problem. And, and here's the thing. God will help you solve problems so his favor can rest upon your life. Proverbs 22.1 says this. A good name is to be more desired than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. Now listen to this. If you have the favor of God upon you, Silver and gold will, will come. Silver and gold is not, it's not a problem for God. The Bible says that God owns all, all the silver and all the gold in the world. We, we know that. So uh, favor is better than riches. Favor is better than wealth. And if you have favor, uh, your whole life will be blessed, not just financially, in every area of your life. So what is the favor of God? You know, you won't find, you won't find the favor of God in the dictionary, but basically it's this. It's the smile of God upon your life. It's the evident hand of God upon 
uh, the life of a person to the extent that it causes people to like you, even unbelievers. Joseph's living in a world where they have, they're polytheistic. They have a God for everything. They have the sun god, Ra. They have, they have the god of the Nile. They have all these gods. But they look at him and says, say the spirit of God, that's singular. The spirit of God is in this young man. And, and there's something about him. It says, uh, you know, the world, the world calls it luck. See, all the time we're, telling, we're saying, oh, that person, they're lucky. It's not luck. It, it, it's not luck. What I'm talking about, it's not luck, manipulation, or flattery. It's supernatural. So God's favor is the supernatural edge in life. It will cause you to get a promotion over somebody that is in line ahead of you. It will allow you to meet key people at strategic moments in your life. It will allow you to be liked by people who normally would not like you. See, it's not hard for somebody to like you who should like you. Well, my mom really loves me. Well, she should. She has to. She stuck with you. She conceived you, born you, right? It's something else if somebody who believes differently from you, who has a different set of morals, values, and standards, if they like you. See, that, that's the favor of God. When people who should not normally like you, they, 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 they like you, they treat you favorably, and, and they put their trust. They put their trust in you. So let me tell you a little story. When I was growing up, my, you know, my dad was a pastor, and uh, so I was in church so much. We had so many family devotions that, I'm going to be honest, a, 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 like two or three of the devotions throughout my whole life, I just kind of checked out, you know. I kind of checked out. But my dad would always pray for favor over his kids. And he wasn't joking around. He would put his hand and say, God, I pray that you would give him favor. You give my daughter favor everywhere they go. That teachers would like them, that, that bosses would like them, that people would like them. God, I pray for the favor of God upon their lives. He did that every day of our lives. Parents, you need to start doing that. Pray for yourself to start praying for your kids. So I, you know, and I, you know, okay, he's praying for favor. I'm going through life, and um, and so I, I go to college, and and uh, in, anyway, I, I end up in the liberal arts liberal arts department at Texas State, uh, Southwest Texas, there in San Marcos, Texas. The liberal arts department. There's a thousand people basically who hate God. That's what the liberal arts department is. Y'all don't believe me? I'm serious. Like, they, they, their, whole, their whole lifestyle was totally opposite for me, you know? And, but it was funny, I start going through this, and I'm just trying to get a degree, I'm trying to get out. I'm not worried about making friends, really. I mean, I'm already married, have a child, and I'm working full-time. I just want to get out of school. And so, anyway, God started blessing me, and I noticed that teachers started asking me to take their classes, you know, in the upper-level classes, because they're all... That's why I found out they're all like debate, and they needed somebody on the other side. So like, God's favorite, and I even asked them, why do y'all want me to do that? And, and uh, oh, we just like you, Terry. So in my junior year, man, in my junior year, they, they came to me and said, hey, you're, you're going to get an award for, for the distinguished person in the liberal arts department. They gave two of them out, and I got one of them. And they said, what this means is if you want to go on and get your master's degree and your doctorate, you, you, can, you can teach at the university. You can teach while, you can student teach while you do that. And, and so I, I was really, like, I had, I, I was very respectful, but I want to say, I don't want to 
keep here if you pay me everything, you know? It's like, I just want to get out of here. Y'all are nuts, you know? That's what I was thinking. I was young. And so anyway, but, but I started thinking about that. I'm like, why would they give me this award? Why would they offer that to me when we don't share any of the same values? We, I, let, let's start with this. I believe in the Bible. They don't. And I, I say everybody. I, I'm telling you, it, I, never, I, never, I never met one Christian the whole time I was in the liberal arts department. Not one. And I met a lot of people. And so we were going through this, and, and all, of a sudden, all of a sudden it dawned on me. Your dad has been praying for favor on you all your life. Now you're receiving it, not because you prayed for it, but because of the prayers of your dad. I'm telling you, when you have the favor of God upon your life, it'll cause you, if you're a business owner, it will allow you to get a contract that everyone else wants but can't get. It will allow you to, to, to hire the best employees. It will allow you to meet people at just certain times in your life. You do know that life is strictly really about, it's, it's mostly about who you know. You do know that, right? I mean, there's that one person in every industry that can, that's a game changer. Well, we know the one who can change the hearts and minds of men. And he can put his favor upon you. So we need to quit complaining that we're not getting anywhere in life. And we need to start putting these principles to success uh, of success to life because if Joseph can be sold in, into slavery and end up in second in charge of, uh, of the most powerful nation on the earth, I think that God can give us a promotion or a raise. I think that God can get you where you need to be. But we have to change our mindset. Complaining won't do it. Grumbling won't do it. Living the way that Joseph did will do it. Asking God's favor upon your life. Let me tell you one more story. My dad had this friend. He was an old country boy named Sam Tucker. And he, he worked for Hormel Meat Company, and he was a salesman. And every year, every year he was the number one salesperson. Every year. And if you talk to him, he's just a good old boy. And, and, and my, he's, he started giving his trips away to Hawaii to be the number one salesman because he was tired of going. You've got to go to Hawaii a lot of times to be tired of going, right? Just come on now. And so my dad, one day he was over at the house, and my dad said, Sam, I don't get it. I don't get it. How are you beating all of these trained salesmen? I mean, let's face it, you're getting up there in years now. They dress nicer than you. They talk, nice, talk better than you. And he said, Jim, it's an amazing thing. I'm going to tell you my secret right now of how, how I've just been the best salesman for all these years. He said, my wife, Annette, and I, every day before I leave, we go in the living room before I go out, out the door. And he says, we kneel and pray for God to give me favor. He said, God, I, he says, God I'm going to this place. I've never been here before. None of the other salespeople have been able to get a meeting. When I go there today, they wouldn't give me a meeting. When I go there today, I just pray that you would give me your favor with these people. And he would go to some place that he wasn't even invited to go to that they wouldn't even make an appointment with him. He'd go in the office and the boss would walk in and say, hey, I've heard about you, Sam. Come on in. Go in there, $100,000 sell. He said, it happens all the time, Jim. He's like, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God just pouring his favor down upon me. See, we can do that. You can do that here this morning. We can have God's favor upon our life 
He wants to put it on us anyway. He's looking for people to bless. He's looking for people to pour his favor upon. And so we can do that. So the the favor of God can change any circumstances in your life uh, more than anything else. It opens doors that you never thought could open. Basically, God's favor releases new possibilities in your life. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you here this morning are going to be in trouble unless if God gives you your favor? You have something coming up. You have a court date coming up. You have a job termination coming up. You have something coming up and you need God's favor in your life. Others of you may be saying, I'm tired of doing it all on my own. I'm tired of doing it by my own strength and not by God's favor upon my life. So let's answer answer the big question here this morning. How do you walk in God's favor? How do you get it from the Bible into your life? How, How do you apply this principle? How do you get it from being a concept to activating it in your life? Two things. Number one is this. You have to live a righteous life. You have to live in such a way that God can bless you. Uh, The Apostle Paul, in his epistles in the New Testament, three or four times he says this, that we need to live in a manner that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Live in a manner that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus gave his very best to us. He gave himself. He was sinless. He was pure. He was holy. He left heaven and came down and lived among us. He didn't have to do that. He did that. He did all of that for us. And so, basically, Jesus gave us the very best he had. And the question is, are you giving him your very best? I fear that in many churches around America, we're playing church games and we're not giving God our best. So you have to live a righteous life. Righteousness simply means to be in right standing with God. Uh, The point is that you cannot live any way you want and ask God to bless you. You, you just can't do that. God, I mean, you can do that. I'm not sure how effective it's going to be. Proverbs 2, 12, 2, it says this. A good man, another way you could say it, is a righteous person, obtains favor from the Lord, but the Lord condemns a crafty man. Crafty means mischievous or wicked. So um, if you're mischievous, if you're a manipulator, if you're cutting corners, you know, God, God, God can't honor that. But a man, a good person, a righteous person obtains favor from the Lord. So we have to do that. Psalm 5 and verse 12 says this, For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. He's looking for people to bless. All we have to do is qualify. All we have to do is qualify by living a righteous life. Um, you surround them with your favor as with a shield. So we can live in such a way that God has a shield of favor all around us. You know what a shield of favor does? See, Joseph had a shield of favor. No matter what people did to him, it couldn't get to him. No matter what people did to him, they can lie about him, they can cheat him, they can fraud him. No matter what they did, no matter what they did to Joseph, uh, it just bounced off. It didn't stick. He had, a, he, had a, he had a favor shield around his life. Proverbs 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Let love, love and faithfulness. Joseph loved everyone he went to and he was faithful everywhere he went. So 
if you, if you read the story of Joseph, you, you realize that, he, that uh, he lived a life of character, being faithful, loyal, committed to authority, he, he, and, of course, committed to God. He lived a righteous life. So that's the first thing. We have to live a righteous life. Now, some of you, uh, let's just be honest here, some of you may be here and say, well, Terry, I haven't done that. You can start today. You can start today. You can start living a righteous life. You can make choices. Life is just about choices. You can choose to be unrighteous, and you can choose to be righteous. You can choose to obey God, or you can choose to disobey God. You can choose to be faithful or not. So we have some choices to make. What I'm saying is Joseph made good choices. It allowed God to bless his life. It allowed God to pour and shower him with favor. The second thing is this. Pray for favor and believe you have it. Pray for favor and, you, and believe you have it. See, when we read scriptures and we see something that we want, you can pray that into your life. I, I'm afraid today in, in church that our, our faith is really weak. And what faith is, faith believes something before you receive it in your life. Faith is believing a principle, believing a spiritual truth in your life and confessing that and walking in that before you see it activated in your life. And uh, so we have to pray for favor and believe you have it. Psalm 106, 4 and 5, it says this. Let me go ahead and have the worship team come up this morning. It says this, Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. So God is showing favor to people. He's saying, God, when you're passing out your favor, don't forget me. When you're passing out your favor, man, pour double on me. And it says, uh, come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. So, if you're living a godly life, if you're living a righteous life, then you qualify to receive God's favor. So pray for it, confess it, and, and, and by faith walk in it. You know, I think what, what, what my dad did for me and what, what Sam Tucker did every day, you know, some, sometimes we have people that have been Christians for years and years and they've never taken time just to get on their knees, get on their face before God and say, man, God, I need your help. God, I need you. I need you in my life. God, I need your favor upon, upon my life. So a, as we conclude today, here's what we've learned so far. To be successful in this journey in life, we have to have God's favor upon our lives. We have to have God's favor upon, upon our lives. And, and uh, you know, some of you here today, you may be saying, man, this is what I've been missing. I've never asked God to give me favor. I've never asked for it. And, and, and so you're saying, man, this is what I've been missing in my life. I'm doing good, but I've been working so hard. I need, I need God to give me favor to get me over some things. Uh, some of you here today, you may be saying, man, I have some of God's favor, but I could use more. I could use more. And so we, we said that the qualifying factor for favor is, is, of course, a righteous life. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to close service by just praying God's favor over your life. And so I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And would you just take just a moment, just take just a moment, 
And uh, because I think you need to be serious about praying for something before you do it. And just just reflect on your life and, and see if you could use more favor in your life. Oh, thank you, God. God, we come before you in complete humility. God, knowing that we desperately need you in our lives if we're going to be successful and if we do the things that you've asked us to do. We have to have you, God. We have to have your spirit in our lives. And, you know, as you've been contemplating this this morning, if if you say, man, Terry, I just want to pray for God's favor in my life, I'm just going to ask you, just, just raise your hands because we're going to ask, I can't give you favor. It comes from God. If you want favor, would you just raise your hands this morning and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just just say after me. Say, Father God, I realize that I am in need of your favor to live a successful life. I'm committed to doing my part, living a righteous life treating others with love and respect. So today I ask you to pour your favor upon my life. Give me favor with everyone I meet. Give me in favor when I, when I interview. Give me favor when I meet important people. Today I ask you to do what only you can do, and just to pour your favor upon my life. Amen.